Hello and welcome to the first episode of uh, The Simple Podcast. Gosh, I almost forgot the name of my own podcast. That shows how long it's been since I've recorded anything. I hope whoever listens to this or hears this is doing well on this kind of rainy but now sunny day. It's your host Sim and... I'm pledging to do better and be better. You know, when you know better, you're supposed to do better. So we shall see. Anyway, there are a few things I wanted to talk about today. The first being about relationships and whether we're all actually made for relationships. I know that sounds like a really weird thing to say and funny thing to say, but sometimes I question as to whether I'm actually built for a relationship. I feel like, do you know there's that whole saying about the 20s being your selfish years? I feel like I'm just a selfish trash person in general. So it doesn't matter whether I'm I'm in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. There's something I really enjoy about my own company. But with that being said, I understand and know the value of relationships and engaging with others and friendships and in between ships or whatever um and maybe it's because i'm actually really fortunate that i have you know a patient partner i've got patient friends i've got patient family who really do give me my space so sometimes i do wonder if that's why i feel like i like my own company so much because i have the option Maybe if I didn't and I wasn't as fortunate and I was really alone, I would actually be kind of yearning for connection with people. But just so this isn't bleak, I'm just wondering if I'm alone in this because I feel like there is a slight difference between the kind of person that likes your own company and doing your own thing and those that are completely like self-dependent, don't need no man, don't need no woman, don't need no one. And... You know, I'm just kind of wondering which one I am. You know, if it's like my relationship privilege. Is that another, is that a new term? Relationship privilege? Those that do have people and have an option to kind of switch on and switch off. Are happy to kind of, you know, go off and do their own thing and claim that they're better off alone. As opposed to someone that, you know, doesn't have anyone and states that they're happy to be alone. Basically, would I think differently if I didn't have the luxury of having people that I love and love appreciate me around me, if that makes any sense? You know, because I feel like sometimes there is a real pressure to be in a group, to have a friendship group, to have best friends and to always be connected. And on one hand, yeah, I definitely feel that and I would like that. But on the other hand, I know how happy I get sometimes when plans are cancelled they're just an excuse for me to be at home have my satin scarf on watch netflix and order something on delivery with money i obviously don't have but you know that was a short intro you know i'm kind of in this vibe and mood regarding relationships because love island you know the new series started on monday we're a few days in and to be honest i don't know how i feel about it i made a short youtube video plug in my youtube video 
where I kind of spoke about Love Island and kind of colorism, colorism, colorism and the situation with Yawande, which for me kind of feels like an echo of last year with Samira. And, you know, part of me feels like it's the producers that understood how much interaction Samira's situation caused, especially amongst black Twitter. And I feel like they've seen a recipe for interaction, so they've kind of gone with it again. But, 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 yesterday, Yoande had a kiss with Michael. So I'm thinking there could definitely be something there. Even though she said something about the fact that she felt like it was in a strange way, like kissing her brother. You know, which made me give her a major side eye. Because, like, I mean... You, you saw you saw that kiss, you know, if you watch Love Island, it was a full-on, full-on, full-on kiss. She was enjoying it. He looked like he was enjoying it. So, you know, this whole brother situation, she needs to just dead that. You know, get into the game. Get into the game. You're playing to win, even if it's not real. Just do like these other couples do. You know, do like the, the non-people of colour do on Love Island and just... Just go for it. It doesn't matter. Just get your brand deals, grow your Instagram, and then just be done with it, all right? But at the same time, just to play devil's advocate, I do understand what Yuande means. Obviously, Michael didn't kind of choose her as a first choice. He was benched himself, so they were kind of like stuck together by default. But that doesn't mean that they can't grow anything. You know, it doesn't mean that something good um, might not be able to come out of it. Anyway, I say all of that to say that in in reality, Love Island as a whole is kind of trash anyway. So, you know, Yawande is a smart woman. She went to university at 16. I know, you know, going to university alone doesn't mean that you were, you know, it doesn't really say anything about someone's character. But from what I've seen, you know, she seems like such a such a nice girl. Um, She seems really genuine, smart, intelligent. She's beautiful. There's not more you can ask you know obviously she doesn't fit that um neurocentric standard that love island loves so much you know they're constantly pushing the blonde hair girl the skinny girl you know you one day is beautiful but at the same time you know if the scale of what beauty is is you know white blonde girl skinny girl kind of petite and you know not so outspoken or whatever you're not not everyone's going to feel that but with that being said you know I am really really gunning for her I will be watching because I'm trash you know I like to criticize things and still watch um but yeah I just think she should just play the game she's in there to win there's money to be won I know she's going to be sweet anyway when she leaves because, you know, she's a scientist and, you know, she's going to be making all of that, um, you know, all of that research coin, you know, all of that, you know, biomedical, you know, nucleus chromosome coin. That's all I can remember from GCSE biology. But um, so she's going to be OK. But at the same time, you know, for the sake of us, for the sake of us, sis, come on, let's make this entertaining. Let's make this interesting. Let's let's really go for it. You know, if we have to get muggy, we have to get muggy. Do you know what I mean? Even if we have to bring Megan in for her to give you a little tutorial on how to be muggy and, um, you know, get that win, get that coin. 
you know, get that influencer coin, it might just have to be. Um, in terms of Sharif, so that is um, the black male, well, the darkest skin male in Love Island, um, because there is one, is it one or two? I think just one mixed race guy, Michael. Oh, no, no, two. I think Michael and Tommy, I'm not too sure about Tommy. I think Tommy, I'm sure Tommy is mixed race, but I don't know. Anyway, I'm talking rubbish. Um, I say all of that to say that Sharif, I also am gunning for. I must admit, I did give him a slight side eye when it came to picking the girls and he didn't pick your one day. But at the same time, again, he seems like a nice guy not disrespectful i think him and yuanda get on which is good you know it would have been great if it was a relationship but at the same time i do wonder how i do wonder how popular a black relationship would be on love island and the thing is i'm happy and i'm willing to see it but you know how everyone's on the whole interracial thing i'm always joking about it with my boyfriend who is white about the fact that we should just start up a YouTube channel if things get hard, because you know, this whole annoying interracial thing is a huge thing on TV that people claim to like to see. But I say all of that to say that I wonder how a black relationship would go down on Love Island. It's something that I'm still able to see. That's something that, you know, I'm gunning for. You know, if the series continues, you never know the dynamics in the house might change and you one day and Sharif, you know, something could happen between them because I don't, I don't think that's completely off of the cards. The way things are going, I don't really see it happening, but it doesn't mean that it isn't possible. Like, it doesn't mean that it's absolutely impossible. Um, but yeah, I say all of that to say that I am also gunning for Sharif. He is gorgeous. He is friendly. He is funny. And, you know, he's having a good time with Anna. I know Anton tried to get in between. Tom Bow, he's going to steal Anna from Sharif. I don't see that happening at all. Um, but with that being said, you know, of all the positives of um, Love Island, I'm definitely being a lot more positive um, today when I think about it. I think it's because of Yuande's kiss. I think that's just that's just changed everything for me because I was really, really feeling pessimistic. And to be honest, the Love Island producers and, you know, those that edit the show, they're still in my um, side-eye book because at the same time, they haven't been giving Yuande enough screen time. Um, they didn't give Samira enough last year and I really don't want a repeat of that. And, you know, Love Island as a concept is kind of dated in terms of how they think about relationships. You know, it's all heterosexual relationships. Um, in terms of the population, yeah, I understand, you know. Um, I, you know, I know, I can't really speak on people of colour as a whole, but I know for black, as in Afro-Caribbean population, in the UK, we only make about 3%. So it's not a huge amount. So I do understand that, you know, we may not be the, you know, everyone in the Love Island house. But at the same time, you know, I feel like if you are going to claim that you um, are going to be more diverse and give a, you know, more broad perspective on relationships, I feel like the producers and editors and everyone involved need to just do better. Just like sprinkling in a few you know non-white people isn't enough like you need to commit you need to make this juicy for all of us to enjoy because if not you know we're coming for you guys and your jobs on twitter
I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, you know, I will continue to watch, but still side eye Love Island. I'll see how it progresses. I am really hoping that something between Yawande and Michael kind of starts blooming. And if not her and Michael, her and someone else, but ideally her and Michael, because they look cute together. So, you know, that's my little Love Island spiel. Um, The next thing, which is quite an old thing, is the situation with Casta Semenya. Um, The female runner, you know, I don't really want to put air quotes because Casta Semenya is a female. Even though she has um, above average levels of testosterone, you know, her voice is a bit deeper in terms of her, her... dress and how she decides to present herself it is more of a tomboy look i would say um she's also um from what i understand um a lesbian um i don't think she's bisexual i think she's a lesbian but at the same time me listing all these things don't override the fact that she is a female she is a female you know, in an interview that I watched before and um, recorded a podcast, um, I think she did an uh, interview with what I think is a Kenyan um, TV station. And she was just talking about the fact that, you know, she always, she hung around with boys. She found that like, the girls were very soft. Um, you know, they weren't really as confident or as competitive as some of the guys. So that's who she gravitated towards. So fair enough. She has high levels of testosterone, but in terms of clothing you know these are all things in terms of gender so it's like her sex is female you know i'm assuming that she has all the kind of female body parts you know in terms of a vagina and you know boobs although small um all cup sizes matter let's 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 just put that out there but when it comes to gender you know, how she chooses to dress, if she wants to wear trousers instead of dresses all the time, if she wants to wear, um, you know, baggy t-shirts instead of a crop top, that's her decision. You know, there could be a woman with uh, above average estrogen um, levels and she might decide to also wear baggy trousers and, you know, present in a different way. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, even me listing those other attributes about her, you know, they don't really come in. Like, in an aesthetic way, yes, fair enough. But in terms of what her sex is, like her biological sex, if she is female, you know, if if she is considered biologically female, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I consider her female. She considers herself female. I consider her female. I'm not a scientist. I'm not um, one of the biologists. I don't analyze these kind of things. So these are purely my opinions only. Feel free to disagree. I think my thing is if she is not to compete with other women, there has to be some kind of... um, competition where she can compete with other people that are considered intersex if that's what um Casta Semenya is considered if she's considered both you know which is something that um you know that's something that's not completely new that's something that to be honest some cultures 
um i feel like i'm not too sure if it's in south america i might have got it wrong but some cultures don't even believe in the gender binary um you know the system that we use here so you know i feel like we're also coming into an age where we're really questioning ideas of gender and the binaries that we use because we know in reality things are never that clear cut i know maybe the majority of people might fit into certain um categories only because they are kind of pushed in our society so much but i feel like if we didn't have them people would express in um, a more diverse and interesting variety of ways. And I feel like Castus and Mini's situation is so interesting because it's more than just about, you know, um, Castus and Menia competing with other women. It's a question about what it means to be female, what it means to be male, um, especially in sports. You know, it's a question of the human body it's a question of um race as well because you know we can't excuse the fact that Casta Semenya is a black female and we already know how the image of black femininity um is often viewed or not viewed most importantly the idea that black women aren't feminine from the jump also complicates it you know we're not seen in the same way as you know, a Lucy or a whatever, Anna from, you know, with the fair, fair in air quotes skin and the long hair and, you know, a particular body shape or body type. So in that regard, we're already at a disadvantage if we're kind of being pinned against um, classical ideas of European or Eurocentric femininity. So I feel like that's what also complicates it. You know, black women in many cases have been like historically, especially in the West, seen as quite rough, seen as quite, um, you know, it's like independent to a fault, you know, doesn't need any help and can really take, like the black woman can take it because she's hard and she's dark, which we know is not the truth. But you know, some of these people out here you know not so educated and it's not our jobs to educate but at the same time these are things that we have to really take into consideration it's not a white blonde woman who looks kind of masculine but she has long hair um long blonde hair for example simple things like that i feel also count in um the decision to you know to um the decision made that Casta Semenya shouldn't compete against other women, which I think was very, it was, it felt like a personalized attack, you know, because at the same time, say her levels of testosterone weren't so high. She was still a, um, a lesbian female, still liked to wear baggy clothes and like present in a more masculine way. Would there be any issue with her winning a you know, winning when she runs? Like, would that be an issue? And the thing is, we have this kind of issue come up with other athletes. You know, for example, um, Serena Williams, Venus and Serena. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there have been um, 
people either trying to test them to see if their, um, you know, hormone levels or whatever are within the average for a female. And that they've been questioned regarding their femininity throughout their careers, even as young girls. So this is something that's not just unique to um, Casta Semenya, unfortunately. But I'm going off, you know, Venus and Serena, uh, definitely um, athletes that I'll probably discuss at a later time. I feel like they deserve a podcast in and of their own, you know. But, you know, I say all of that to say, you know, this opens a really interesting discussion regarding femininity and black femininity as well. Masculinity and black masculinity you know which we can obviously again save for another podcast but it's more than just the one instance it's more than just one woman and like as a black woman myself I know how it feels when especially when in school or like sixth form or university and people are starting to get into relationships and people are starting to kind of find themselves and their sexuality And there was always this inkling and feeling that as a black woman, even though a lot of the time I was never really looking for that. So maybe, you know, that could be a reason, you know, when you're not really checking for relationships in that way, you know, sometimes you might be like blocking your own blessing, so to speak. But for me, there was always this undercurrent of the fact that I just didn't fit that feminine ideal. And you know, I was always a friend, you know, do you know, like, do you know the image of like a guy kind of like punching your shoulder and being like, you're so funny, you know? And like, as I say, I want to reiterate it, even though I was not checking for some of those guys or any of those guys, um, there was that sense, even in the gesture of someone kind of like fist pumping you or like punching your shoulder, like even in that action is the idea that, There's a kind of contact, so you're friends, but a punch kind of demonstrates the fact that it's like, you're strong, you know, you're strong, almost too strong. So it's like, I couldn't see myself calling you my girlfriend because I might not feel as masculine because you don't fit into that feminine norm. Even if I did kind of find you attractive, it's a mind, it's a mind, it's it's, it's mind F man. It's a mind F. so I don't even know where I was going off hopefully this made sense to someone listening to this podcast but that is um you know a very 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 brief discussion of Casta Semenya um the next thing is something that I just like literally just seen as I was skimming the internet and skimming Twitter was Michael Gove revealing the fact that he takes or took cocaine and I'm thinking to myself like well of course like how else could you be so silly so stupid so irresponsible so annoying so like so just Michael Gove without being on some kind of crack like no no I know that sounds really harsh, but at the same time, like, 
I feel like he couldn't do any of the things he I could I don't feel like he could be him sober. I don't feel like a sober man could look at himself in the mirror and do the things that Michael Gove does. For all of you that don't know um Michael Gove, he's a British politician um from the Conservative Party and he Oh, how how do I explain him? Uh, I feel like he just seems like the kind of guy that wishes he... I don't know. I feel like he wishes he was one of those, like... Do you know, like, David Cameron was part... Like, I know his background is, like, part of the aristocracy. And, like, you know, all those politicians go to... Um, schools like Eton and then they go on to Oxford or Cambridge and you know really well to do I feel like he's the type that wishes he had that kind of background and I'm sure you know he has his privilege in different and many ways but he always feels like do you know like someone that just likes to do you know like kiss ass that that's the kind of image and vibe I get from Michael Gove so more specifically, um, he's the Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs in the UK. And um, I think, you know, he had an article on BBC, you know, with like, you know, a little soundbite of things he said. And like one was that him having taken cocaine was a mistake and he deeply regretted it. Let's be honest, he didn't care. And he's probably still on it, you know, allegedly. Not even allegedly, I'm, I'm making that up. But um, I think the thing about it is the fact that he's so hypocritical. Um, the uh, Musa Okwanga um, mentioned the fact that, you know, Michael Gove, people like Michael Gove can do these things, take drugs, be irresponsible, spend state money on their own things, and they'll be fine. But you get someone like um, Diane Abbott, who isn't perfect, but every little thing she does is like under scrutiny. And the fact that I have to say isn't perfect, you know, that's a fault on my half, on my behalf. Because the thing is, none of them are perfect, but there's a degree to which certain people are allowed to just get away with things. And it's like, no matter what they do, no matter how much they do it, they're always going to be protected by a system that is built for them. And, you know, the system hasn't been built for people like Diane Abbott, but they still persevere. She still perseveres because she knows her job is important, not only, not for herself, but for all of us, for all of us who feel or are made to feel that this country isn't for us. This country, um, you know, goes on in spite of us. This country just doesn't belong to us when in reality, the contribution that, um, you know, black people, um, you know, people of colour have made to this country come in such a variety of flavours, you wouldn't even understand, you wouldn't even know. Um, So, yeah, Michael, Michael, um, Michael Gove, the, the thing that kills me so much about it is not even the fact that, you know, he was taking drugs, that's not here or there or whatever, but it's the fact that his party 
are so on this whole policing young black people for um, the possession of drugs like marijuana. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's great. I'm not saying that, you know, it's not... I'm not saying that it's not problematic in some kind of way. But don't don't come out here pot calling the kettle black. Don't don't come out here like that, you know, putting young black men's lives and black women's lives in jeopardy when you're doing the same thing and worse. You know, I know that this the situation is more intricate and there are more layers to it, but I think it's because the conservatives in particular thrust this idea of personal responsibility and you know you have to work hard for what you get and you don't rely on others and it's like just looking at the leadership they won't get where they were without a handout from someone else even if in that in that palm of that hand is a stack of cash in the palm of that hand is um you know, a friend who knows a friend who knows someone else powerful who will get you a foot in the door. I think that's that's the thing that really irks a lot of us so much. It's the hypocrisy. It's not it's not the act in itself. You know, people do things, people make mistakes, people, you know, make unwise decisions. But don't come here making unwise decisions and then try and um, punish me and label me and criminalize me and, um, you know, push me into the periphery for doing either the same as you or even, you know, things that aren't even as serious as the things you do. I think that's that's the thing that, like, gets me and gets so many other people so much about the Conservatives. It's like, it's always the one that is doing the most, always the one that's doing the most that wants to criticise other people. Always the one that's doing the most, that's so ready to call someone out, you know? And I think that's the thing that gets at me so much. Anyway, I'm going to keep this episode really short and sweet, mainly because I didn't do enough research on some of the things I spoke about today. So I don't kind of want to really delve into things that I don't know about. But as I said, these are just my opinions. I'm just vibing on topics that I've heard of. Um, I'm not an authority on anything but my own opinions. You can share yours if you want to. I am thinking about going outside because it's sunny, finally. But I say all of that to say, peace.